talking about different ages of how different to deal with issues. Um, we spoke about Zevah Chashuv, Prison Hakbaras. spoke about Ratzon Hashem, we spoke about humor, we spoke about Bitochen, the first two of the challenge of Bitochen, spoke about Shneeus, spoke about forgiving. Okay. Um, down the half schools. Down the half schools. Besides being a nice, me thing to do. Because the down the half schools, and we'll tell you all the chazals are important down the half schools. You can't survive in life without being down the half schools. If a person wouldn't, uh, you know, a person did something to me, why do you do that? Well, it must be something against me. You got your mind. You know, the whole world is, you know, you'd be paranoid. Most people, you know, you, 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 the natural response is that you judge them as, as Sometimes a person does something in a relationship and you start wondering, you know, what did she mean or what did he mean? Was that supposed to be taken negatively, etc.? You know, if your relationship is doing well, the answer is it probably there wasn't something that was just meant to be negative. If you believe in the relationship, so then you will done, then you should assume that it was positive. Sometimes you yourself, you know, this person feels like they did something wrong, and, you know, they felt that maybe there's some a weakness in the, in the in relationship at that moment, so they start, well, so they get very, very sensitive to the other person's response, and they overreact. Uh, the reality is the person didn't mean anything. Um, and the overreaction was the worst thing you could do, because that just it made, a, made a big mess out of nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't, there was nothing there. That it was misinterpreted, etc. And part of the reason it was misinterpreted is because you didn't believe in the relationship. So, I mean, down the house you believe in the relationship. Believe you're doing well. You know, it's, 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 the relationship is, is solid. A person will say something out of upset, out of anger. The more says, even says that, that he has said certain things. The Russian doesn't have times when a person said when they're angry. One of the big problems that people have in, 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 in you know, you get angry and you say something, then you regret you said it, but it's, you can't take it back. You say, I didn't really mean that. Well, that's not true, because if you hadn't thought that, you never would have said thing, you know. And you, you know, right? um, that's how people talk. Sometimes it's just a question of people talk like that. In every area, my wife just had an interesting experience. Uh, you know, same as myself with, with Vajalapi on... As he asked about his, by his by meal, there was a young man who was eating his fish with pasto. So he asked him, do you like fish? He said, I love fish. He says, you don't love fish. He said, I do love fish. He says, you don't love fish. He says, what do you mean I love fish? He says, if you love fish, you wouldn't eat that. You, like your, you, you love yourself and you like fish. <laughs> right? So that's an attitude which you need to his wife. You know, so my wife, what, you know, we recently we, we did our kitchen, you know, kitchen floor was tripping people already. It was coming up and we decided to redo the kitchen floor. So somebody said to us, do you love your new floor? And I said, I don't love a floor. That's like the second person doing it. I said, you know, that's how people talk. How, it wasn't, they didn't mean, you know, are you in love with your floor? They just meant like that's how people talk. Sometimes the person says, you know, ah, you know. It, they watch too much TV, you know, or something. You know, they talk like that. I once was, was working with a person. You know, the person said like certain lines. You know, why are they talking like that? And they stop. They watch TV. You know, on TV, if you watch soap, she watches. She watches soap operas. You know, if you watch soap operas, that's how you talk. You see that? That's like normal. Like you know, like, you know. So uh, it, it's not normal, but you know, but some of the people talk and they say something they don't really mean, they don't really mean anything significant and we take it very seriously because uh, you know we start wondering do they take it seriously um, the second half of that thought process is because because people do do that try and be as careful as you can in your speech um, you want the relationship to be as solid as possible so I don't, I don't believe in teasing I'm not a big you know some of them they like to tease you tease your wife about this you know and every tease there's it's like like we spoke about before the talked about the idea of a subordinate role when the boss teases you it gets you very nervous because you're not sure if it's like is it really a tease or is he trying to tell you something 
So when the husband cheated on the wife, as we pointed out, so that's a scary thought for a wife. Is he really serious? No, he's not serious. I know he's not serious. But, you know, maybe um, you expect me to eat this? You know, I didn't mean anything, but she got very, you know, she was very touchy about, you know, yeah. Okay. So, um, the next thought which goes with this is don't test. Um, well, I'm not sure the relationship was going well, so I want to see how they react to what if I do this. You know, get a rise out of that and see what happens. It's a terrible thing to do. People do it. Um, you might not believe it. people do it. People do do it. So, it's just, uh, um, and sometimes people do it almost uh, subconsciously. One of the examples of this, we spoke about, you know, the 330 Blues, 325 Blues, if you recall, right? We spoke about solar systems. So we spoke about the idea that um, a man has many interests in his life, and the woman has one, focuses much more on her husband. So the man is about to leave to go to one of those other things. Right then, a woman is, there's a conflict inside of it without even realizing it, almost to some extent. We used to call the 325 Blues. Second set of studies at 3.30, took five minutes to get the drive to Yeshiva. So you would leave, you would come home for lunch, and arrive wife home, you spend lunch with her, and then you'd have to leave to go to Seder at 3.25. Also, she would start crying. She doesn't know why she's crying. She's just crying. Like, she's allowed to do that, because she's a woman. Um, and the man's like, you know, okay, if I'm supposed to leave her crying and go to Seder, that's not a good idea. Well, she stay home with her, so feel guilty that she can't work with Satan. That's not a good idea. What am I supposed to do? So I saw one, you know, person, some of he says he, he feels what's happening is subconscious she's testing. You know, you have two interests in your life. You have me, and you have your learning. Subconscious, he felt she was testing. Like, which one, you know, you can leave me standing by the door and walk out of the room crying, you know, I gotta go learn. I would say, yeah, you know, what do you do, you know? And she doesn't send the sentence herself what she's doing. It's just that a woman is being challenged with how do I work out the relationship. That's a theory. I'm not sure I believe in the theory 100%. You know, it's very hard to prove the theory. How are you supposed to test well, the theory? We're into a control group, you know. How, how do you do that exactly? But it's a theory. But the most thing is that sometimes a person will... Um, I, I, I'm not sure if you really, really, how much you really, really care about me, so I'm going to, like, force you to care about me. Like, I want to see how you're going to respond to if I say something, you know, etc. So that don't do it consciously. Um, Rabbi itself talks about uh, one of the agencies you need to do a situation. It's called acting. Acting means that you're not always in the mood of being Mr. Nice Guy. Right? So he, he gave a marshal to said, you you have a, a person who's, who is uh, Brutus in, 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 in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. He's Brutus. Right? So there's a scene where Brutus takes the, takes the dagger and he stabs it into Caesar's chest. You know? And this fellow has been playing this role uh, they, for the last five years in Julius Caesar. He's done it a thousand, two thousand times. It's the most boring thing he ever saw in his life, you know. It's just, it's in the middle of that, he's plunging the dad's dagger into Caesar's breast, and Caesar's saying, at two boute, you know, he, he gives up this terrible yawn, you know. He lost his job. You can't do that. You're, 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 on, you're on stage, you, you can't do that. He says, you're not in the mood of acting properly, that's fine, he says. But just go into the just go into the bathroom and lock the door until you're ready to come out and act nice. <laughs> he said, we are at a stage. We are, we are acting a certain way. You, know, you don't have the option of always necessarily acting the way you want to. You have to act properly. If you need your space, so, you know, so, you know excuse me for a minute, I need to collect myself. And I'll come back in a minute. It's okay to say that. You know, I need my space for a minute. Well, I'll, I'll do this better if you give me a minute to pull myself together. You, know, you can do that. That's an option. Um, you sound like it sounds, sounds a little funny, but... Um, if a person knows that he reacts to certain situations with difficulties, so think about it. Give some forethought. 
there's no fabulous as you know, you know, a simple idea. It's a, it's a situation which plays out in many homes. Um, so the husband comes home and it's it's, it's six o'clock at night already. He gets home six thirty. Comes back from you know from the theater. He comes back from the the, the work. You know, everybody's coming home. And the wife's had a long day with the kids, etc. And she's worn out. He's had a long day at work and he's worn out. And she's just looking forward to the husband coming home and being helpful and you know trying to settle down the house a little bit. And he's looking forward to having a few minutes to pull himself together before he goes out to to learn his caboose or whatever it is. So you have this, this conflict. And he said, you know, he's not patient because he's worn out. She's not patient because she's worn out. So he realized that was a problem. So he's, he's, he's you know, what's the rest of all? He gets on at 6.30. He says, he put in his car every morning. He says he realized he's, he's very hungry and he's very tired. So before he would pull off to the side road, before he got to the side, Five minutes away from the house, he pulled up to the side of whatever, and he shut his eyes for ten minutes in the car, and he put it, every morning he put a big piece of cake and a thermos of coffee in the car. And he would pull it out afterwards, and he'd eat the cake, and have the coffee, he had something in his stomach, he'd ch- rest himself for a few minutes, he walked in the house, and he was able to be healthy. Like a little bit of thought. What? And he did. It's a little bit of thought. He realized he could solve, uh, you know, address an, an issue which was, was escalating, escalating every day. Why aren't you being more helpful? He said, you know, so not in the mood to be helping the work. He's totally worn out. You know, the whole day being in, you know, working in Manhattan, doing with business, and then driving through the, the traffic. Oh, he was worn out. You know, he wasn't the most pleasant of people at that moment. You know, and his wife needed him. Um, interesting te- uh, test, we'll call it. Let's say, interesting story. Yaakov Horowitz from the Project Yes, one of his big things in Project Yes, which is for teens at risk, is um, is parenting. You know, a lot of issues are, you know, the parents have to be functioning properly as parents for the kids to be able to have a normal home. So he gave a parenting session in, in Flatbush for men and women, two sides of the auditorium, couples, you know, husbands and wives. And he did the following, did the following thing that was a fascinating thought. Um, he says one issue he feels that the home has is that the wife, because she wants her husband to be happy with her, you know, with her solar system, you know, she, she wants to please her husband, so when, when, when the husband comes home, pressure builds up in the home. She wants to have the food ready, she wants to have the house looking nice, she wants to do anything. And the kids aren't, as the day wears on, the kids are also getting worn out, and they're not in the mood of being quiet and accommodating, etc. And the pressure builds up in the home. That's one scenario how the house can play out. Well, the scenario how the house can play out is well, the, you know, you know, she knows the cavalry is coming. The husband's coming home to help her and make you know life her life much more uh, uh, comfortable and easier to deal with. She's another set of hands to help out in the house, so the pressure goes down as it gets closer to the husband coming home. Right. So he did the following. He said, "Ladies, please turn your heads to the side." He says, "Men, half an hour before you come home." The pressure and the, the, the tension in the house rises or lowers. 300, 300, 150 men there. 70% said they feel the tension in the house goes down because the wives know that they're coming home to be able to help them. Okay, men, please turn the heads to the side. Ladies, look at me. Half an hour before your husband comes home, the tension in the house goes up or goes down. 70% said the tension goes up. He says, 40% over there, <laughs> which the husband doesn't even understand what's happening in his house. It's fascinating. I mean, it just blew the people away, obviously, you know. But, and that was that he, then, then he launched into his discussion about the important, the, the challenge of tension in the home. Um, I had a, had a young man who lived here in the community. I think that I'm sure I tell you the story now. And I just was in it wasn't no, it wasn't in a part of the issue, but um, the person had been through difficult life a little bit and he's getting married. And I was concerned about his show and bias. I was concerned that you know, this one should be his and show and bias. He's a little rough edge to him, you know. And um so, you know, I mentioned well, no, I would like to speak to you before but after just talked about some some show advice. Yeah, wasn't interested. I was coming even more nervous. Um so after two or three times he said, Okay, you know, fine, I'll do you a favor, come over here. 
he comes over, he walks in, the guy has, I mean, the guy had a chip in his shoulder. That was clear. And the guy was like, and he says, very sh- he says, Rabbi, I understand Shalom Bach. I understand how to do Shalom Bach. He says, he says, I thought, he says, his home did not have Shalom Bach. So I was an extremely demanding person. He wanted things exactly what he wanted them. And if he didn't get it, he would let out a, let out a major temper. He says, and he remembers his father throwing, you know, supper at his mother on the kids because he didn't like what she made and he had this demand and this demand and says, I have no demand my wife can do whatever she wants I only have one thing that I need he says when I come home from work I need supper on the table she does that for me she can have whatever she wants he says I have no demand so I said to him says, you know as far as I'm concerned you're the same as your father mean that was quite an insult to him um, I said your father had 50 demands and he expected all those demands to be met you have one demand you expect your demands to be met that's not marriage marriage is what do you do when the, one, the, when the day when the demand can't be met you walk in the house you know what there's no food on the table what are you going to do then what are you, you going to say are you going to be upset because that's your own demand and it's not fair you let her have everything and one that you want and one that you can have or are you going to say, you know what, there must be, you know, you, I know that you know it's important to me at such a time. Obviously, if you didn't do it, it must be, it's very hard for you. Don't worry about it, I'm not upset. And let's, you know, and you recognize where she's coming from. And you recognize that she's been sitting there all, all nervous about how you're going to respond to the fact that you want it. But if you do that, my friend, you have proven that you're a true husband and you, you'll, you will acquire a true wife. She'll be there for you for whatever you need. Because she knows how important it is to you, and, you she is, and, and that you gave up. But otherwise, you're the same as your father. Just happen to be the only, the only, the only thing that bothers you. He had ten things about this. The poor guy had this look in his face, like, you know, I just punched him in the total plexus. I, I mean, because it hit home. Uh, but he probably had a chip in his shoulder, you know, that he was like, you know, rabbis. Yeah, he think it against rabbis. Yeah, you know, difficult to. Spiritual rabbis in his life, and he uh, says, You know, Rabbi, you have an interesting point. That's about as far as I can get out of him. I'll think about it. And, you know, I, I put that story in, you know, we recognize that there's things which the wife, we know the wife knows that they're important to us, and she wants to, but she can't. So, how are we going to react? And that's where we're going to react is we're going to recognize, you know, you're more important to me than something. And if you have a marriage where the wife's not more important to you than supper, you have big problems. You're more important to me than, you know, so, so supper is easy. I need my minukos and when I come home. I'm worn out. I need minukos and nephews. You are more important to me than my minukos and nephews. That's hard for the guy to say to this. You know, what's more important to me? My minukos and nephews or my wife. You know, well, my wife's more important than minukos and nephews. I can't handle it. Right. So that's when you say, okay, so what can I do to help my minukos and nephews on my end? Don't blame, you know, don't give all the responsibility to be on her part. So that's where Rabbi Tauber came up with. His idea was, okay, I'll come up with a different way of dealing with it. Yeah, and then you could have many different ways, whatever you can come up with. It, it, it's, it's a given, there's going to be a conflict. How are you going to maintain your wife's feelings at the same time? Um, the... the the uh, I once spoke by Shabrach who uh, wasn't with the pair which was um, asking people to speak about marriage so uh, I don't know why this thing fell in my head but it fell in my head the Shabrach describes his wife as his life partner he says you know we're Shutzim we're going to go through life together and build something we build the Jewish home together we build children together my, my learning Rabbi Kiva said you know I recognize how much input my wife has because she's there for me and she maintains the home and she gives me that was an and gives me what I need and gives I'm able to accomplish what I'm able to accomplish she's a, she's a bona fide partner in everything that I do and I, rec- and I respect that and I and I um, appreciate that and I feel that but you know the um 
you have to say so like this. He said, there were once were two fellows named Goldberg and Goldberg. Um, Goldberg and Goldberg both had this great idea that they want to make a lot of money. And Goldberg and Goldberg both realized that, you know, that, that the best person to help them make a lot of money was Goldberg. So they decided to come to Arkansas. And they made a company called Goldberg and Goldberg Limited Liability Corporation. Right? Now, Goldberg's goal was to make a lot of money. And Goldberg's goal was to make a lot of money. As long as Goldberg was helping Goldberg make a lot of money, Goldberg was happy and Goldberg was happy. But when Goldberg realized that maybe he could make more money without Goldberg, or that Goldberg was a drag on what he wanted to accomplish, he wasn't so happy anymore. And that was the end of Goldberg and Goldberg Limited Liability Corporation. And he says, if my goal in marriage is to be happy, and your goal in marriage is to, my wife's goal in marriage is to be happy, you know, so the husband's goal is to be happy, and the wife's goal is to be happy. So well, the husband's to make the wife happy, the wife makes the husband happy. As long as they're making each other happy, they have a great marriage. At some point in time, the husband's getting on the wife's nerves, and vice versa, not making each other happy, that's the end of the marriage. That's if you assume the goal in marriage was to make the other person happy, to make yourself happy. But if, you, if there's a different goal where we got together, and they had a dream. The dream was they wanted to create an institution which could help people. And it could be an orphanage which could take care of hundreds of people, etc., etc., etc. And Ethan recognized that their deficient abilities themselves, and they need another person who could bring in talent that they don't have to create that or create that institution. They might not like each other so much sometimes. They might get disagreeable stuff, but they both realize that they have this dream they want to accomplish, and they need this other person to create that dream. So even though they get on each other's nerves sometimes, but they're both helping each other to create that dream. And that's what they want to accomplish. So the person understands that his goal is not to be happy. His goal is to create something which is greater than the sum of the two parts, which is a Jewish home, with what a Jewish home stands for, the place which is, you can create, a sh- bring skin into and create, bring children up and develop, bring out the people in and help people, etc. And you can't do that, do that yourself. And there's somebody who's, your partner will help you do that. So even sometimes you don't make each other happy, that's an irrelevant point. It doesn't, it doesn't dissolve the, the relationship. So depending on how you perceive the relationship, whether it's Goldberg and Goldberg, Limited Liability Corporation, or it's Goldberg Incorporated, um, with not two partners, but it's one unit which comes together to create something greater than itself. You make a big revenue enough to me how you deal with all the issues. You put it in perspective. That was my share of this discussion. The Huffington Colors name were not Goldberg and Goldberg. Um, I figure it's like a safe name for sure. Um, Jones and Jones. Um, okay. The Siva. Siva is, I didn't put it last because it belongs to the last, which is like, okay, there's nothing left to do. We haven't got a job. And when there's nothing left to do, you still got a job. With all these shabbos in the world, you still got a job. So, um, now, this is a significant point to discuss specifically under the chuppah. What you're in the under the chuppah, one of the you know, you're building a home together, you're building a life together. So much that you need. And Russian gave a thousand cow with the course of awareness that they're clean, they're totally pure, they're yom kippur, they're totally pure. The feel of a person is pure, it's a powerful feel. It goes way up in Shemai. So if you use that moment to daven for you have to have children, you have to have pronounce to have health, to have shalom bayis, to have intelligence, how to deal with each other, to care for each other. All of those things that you want, that what you want in a home, what you want in a marriage, what you want in a wife, what you want in life, Russian gave you that opportunity. Now, obviously, you don't want to go down for yourself, so people who need help also give the sauce and the towel to talk for them, because it is a time of the feels a very powerful. Um, but don't forget yourself. That's a phenomenon for this to be very intense feel for yourself. And the Akos would come is to point out that the course of awareness of the sauce does not end, it doesn't end by the cook, but it, it, it 
it starts by the chuppah and it goes for the whole seven, seven days of Shev Rokas. That doesn't mean the person has a dinner with Chosim, but in the Masonus of Vayas. Chosim, that means the whole seven days. She says the Tfilis of the seven day, extremely powerful Tfilis, the seven days, the person with the seven days without a Vayra, that's the most powerful Tfilis you can imagine. So whatever you've been davening for under the chuppah, you should keep davening for the whole seven days of, of Shev Rokas. And obviously you should keep down the donors to that also, but specifically then, um, it's an idea you can share with your kawa. You should share with your kawa that idea. Um, important. So, and I always make it make it make it a, a pitch and while you're down you should from Shiv also. You know, um, the power of such a person davening, you know, the person's time from Shia. If they want to go there to see this one time said you know, Chosen Kala, the moment of Chuppah is such a powerful moment. If the Chosen Kala down with Mashiach, Mashiach would come. He says, and we have such wonderful, special, the tire of the Chosen and Kala, they don't have Mashiach, they don't have Mashiach, so why is Mashiach coming? So he said, you know, with the, with the, with the, with the wit and wisdom of the Kiddush Rebbe, he says, Chosen is about to give the ring. The person says, you want me to see it right now? He says, can you wait just one minute? And she says, oh, I'm sorry. That was it. <laughs> just answer the hope, please. So, um, anyway, that's, my, that's the horror. You can do, whatever, do, do whatever, that horror, whatever you want. Rodessa writes in a place, he says, when a Chosim Kalva comes to me, he says, you know, right now your hearts are full of love for each other and you want to give each other and totally make each other happy. As long as that's your focus on life, it's making another person happy, you will have a, you will have a wonderful life together. And your focus becomes making yourself happy, expecting from another person, then you will. That's the beginning of the end. Uh, he said the same thing with the Malva and Aloyva. He says the Malvus has a bias, make sure he's not, he's not slow to feel a Kenosha, he doesn't pressure him, he doesn't charge ribbons, and he makes himself available to lend, that's the Malvus of Chiyah to pay back. As long as the Malvus is worrying about his Chiyah to pay back, and to give to the Malvus, and the Malvus, and vice versa, they'd have a wonderful world. The problem is that the Malvus keeps worrying about the Malvus of Chiyah, and the Malvus keeps worrying about the Malvus of Chiyah. Like, why are you treating me so nice? You know, you, you have to lend me money, and why are you bothering me so much? And that's in the Malvus, why are you lending me money? You've got to pay off, you've got to pay so every worried about the other person's fear, then nobody's happy. So, you know, he, you know why, are you treating me, why don't you treat me nicely? I'm supposed to treat your husband with respect, you know. Or why don't you treat me nicely? Well, you know, if that's what you're thinking, whether you're saying it or not, but that's what you're thinking, you know. Why doesn't she just? Then you're, you're in a bad situation. Um, my comment about why doesn't he just, you know, there's, there's a saying, it's tough to almost get home, it's a saying in English. You know. um, I said this recently, I mentioned this when you talk about dealing with, 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 with kids, kids, children in general, the point is, you know, most children want that their parents to be happy with them. Most wives want their husbands to be happy with them. Right? That's a given. It's, that's the first thing. Right? So I have a situation, I have a kid who he wants his parents to be proud of him and happy with him. And they're not proud and happy with him because he's doing something which they don't like. So, we have a theory. So many people apparently he doesn't care what his parents think about him. Right? And then it's true by a wife. Well, I was doing this scenario of a parent to a child. That's not true. Because we, we, we accepted, you told me you agree with me up in the front, that kids do care about what their parents think about them. So now, they care about A, they do care. B, they're not, they're not doing something which, which seems to fit that. The answer is, they can't. For whatever reason, they find it difficult to do what they need to do to get that respect. Not because they don't care. They do care, but they can't do it. So saying, why don't you just, is a ridiculous statement. It's like, tell them the homeless get a home. Why don't you just get a home? Right. How? If this kid is not doing what he needs to do to make his parents proud of him, it's because he feels for a reason that it's too difficult for him to do at this point in time. Not he doesn't want to. And it totally changes the relationship of how the parents supposed to deal with it. But the parent says, you know, I told him so many times, he doesn't care. 
And the kids hurt them so terribly, they do care. And the parents say they don't care, hurt makes them hurt even more. But they don't come. So they say, let's, the first thing I'll say is they do care. And if, and if they do care and they're not doing much, they feel it's for two different from the doers point in time. Okay? Now, what can you do to help the kid get over that? Different relationship. The same thing is true with the spouse. The wife doesn't care what her husband thinks about her. What, what the she, doesn't, she, she wants to be unhappy in her relationship. She wants to be upset. Does she want that? No. So, well, just do this and I'll be happy. She can't. Obviously. If she could, she would. It totally colors the relationship. You know, understand the, the, you understand what's going on in different, the different terms. Very important. Okay. Um, let's move to the last stage. This is supposed to be the beginning of where we're starting from today. Okay. This page just has a few uh, various different topics which are important to talk about. Um, in-laws, money, sneeze, growth. Um, okay. You got a notice of the daughter. Um, your wife's opportunities to grow are your responsibility. So we have a key to open the of the it's your responsibility. Your responsibility, how your wife's going to act, what she's going to do, a lot of it is yours. Are you going to... Uh, um, the, the, as much as the woman is the bias and she sets the atmosphere of the home, but she takes her cues from what her husband wants. Uh, she doesn't... You know, she, she likes dressing a certain way. You know, she likes dressing a certain way because she, that's what she thinks you... Are happy with. If we, if you, uh, how in the world to deal with you know, the situation where husband, wife is dressing where husband is unhappy because she's dressing, sneeze, wife, etc. I'm not going to give you any call on that one. It's a very difficult situation how to do this. It'll come down to the mice how to, how to present it. But um, understand that, that those areas are the responsibility of the man. The growth of the, growth of the wife, continue, continue growth, you know. Life gets very busy. It's very nice. You went to school, you went to seminary, you went to classes, you went to this and that. You know, life gets busy. You have a few kids, you're working. So when's she supposed to be growing? When's, when's, so that's the husband's responsibility. You know, to bring that amateur in the home. He's supposed to come home and share the growth that he's having in the areas that he's doing with the learning that he has in Yeshiva. Or a Shabbos table is something that is, can be a waste opportunity. It can be a phenomenal opportunity. Uh, I know I, there was one fellow in the car who used to prepare for the shop. He used to prepare for the shop. So, you know, he, he would, he would, and so this, it, it, it takes a lot of it. Thursday night, Wednesday night, sit down. Okay. What story, what story they want to say, what messages they want to say, what things that, otherwise you let the conversation just flow, it just might become an empty conversation. It won't be a bad conversation for that, really, you know. You have the conversation. I, I, when you're, you're earlier in the marriage, it's, under, it's just two of you, you know. You know, it's one thing. You start having kids and you start having guests and something like this, you know, it's just, you walk away with, how much does a person have opportunity to, to, to really sit down and, and grow? So, and Arpa Shabbos Suda is an opportunity. He used to prepare a drosha. He used to prepare a speech. He used to prepare a speech. And then, he, he lives across the over. You can leave it. If our doors are open at the same time, you hear him. He's like Patagonian. Oh, mm. oh, oh! Yeah, I it, it, it was really funny. You know, I hit my shabbos a few times. It was like really it was cute to watch, but like, so I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed it. And her husband really gave thought to the shabbos. Um, dealing with kids, what messages do you want to give to your kids? You know, just among the kids, it goes to my asmos. It doesn't go to my asmos. You know, what are the stories? What are things that you really want your kids to know? Um, which I had a story recently. The story about the darling. You want them to know about the government. You, know, you, know, you want them to know those names. It should mean something for them. And somebody came to them into my house recently, and they had the Hamadiya put out for the 10th, 10th yard site, Ramosh Hashir. They put out a special supplement about Ramosh Hashir. The person said to me, who's Ramosh Hashir? And I can know, I was, it was like, what town did you grow up on? But they never heard of it. Probably you could say that Ramesh Shah was one of the most important persons in America for creating Yiddishkeit in America in the last 40 years. 
Here on earth, it exists because of Rosh Hashanah. They didn't know who was. I said, you know what? Here, take this supplement. You need it more than I. They forgot to take it. You know, um, so what type of lessons do you want your kids to know? You could, you, and it doesn't have to be, you have to make this, you know, for, for kids, it's okay, for, in a pair, and both enjoy it also, you know. So, um, you can make the stories for the kids. Uh, we have a character in our house called Tally Thankful. Tally, Tally Thankful. Right, she, what's she thankful for? She's thankful, for, and each week there's something else. You know, another week, but you know, if there's something special that happens, let's be thankful for the fact that we have. You know, and Polly is always we always tell stories about how Polly would be thankful for what she had in her house and such. Well, what do you take in your house? Yeah, you give them a thought. You pay the character what your kids will take with you, which will remind them, give them something to hang their hat on. How to deal with it? It means thought, and that's the responsibility of, of the father of the husband to make that happen. A lot of it the mother does, you know, but it doesn't have to be limited to the mother doing it. Um, money. Um, money is one of those things that can't live with it, can't live without it. Um, that, your attitude towards money and how to deal with money um, and the concern of money are issues which can 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 make or make a you know, person has to be very responsible when it comes to money. A revolver has major risks about you know, the person of being responsible, but they've taken hubble so you know where you're gonna pay them back. He's extremely he drowns it terribly just, it, the pressure that it creates. I mean well I know I get people coming to me for uh, for for talk you know, time and time again. Sometimes the situation is not working control. His wife has had major illness and he had a borrow tremendous sums of money to Put her, give her, have a surgery for her and the medication. What's it supposed to do? But, but he said, you know, so now I have high blood pressure because of my worrying about the money. He's got to pay service. You know, he talks as a, you know, it's a happy talking, you know. The very next stuff is only happy talking, but the mice, uh, this guy came and just, you know, told him that, you know, we're, we're, I said, somebody recently said, you know, he remembers when he was, uh, remembers when they turned off electricity on him. It's no electricity. Because it's been better built, you know. You know, nice. So we're not talking about that level of, you know, poverty and the issues we have in America. But the Muslim that presents responsibility, that's a, it's significant. At the same time, you can't make money a topic. You know, you tell kids, why don't we do this? Why don't we? We don't have enough money for it. You can't do that. You can't be that. You know, the. Um, the the culture has a line. He says that if, when a wagon driver was he, he got stuck in the mud, right? So he finally pulls the, the, the coach out of the mud, but the master is mud all over, all over the coach. So he goes and he cleans up all the mud. So what do you do? He's cleaning up the mud. But the master is totally muddy. So whether you play in the mud or whether you're cleaning out the mud, you're still muddy. He says a person who's doing the vayra is a person's Doing, have, always having a corrupter and always thinking about how bad he is because there's so many Averas. At the end of the day, his mind is constantly on Averas. That was the culture's mock Certain people, you know, that, you know, they're very careful with the money, but, but money still defines the, the... Money can't define your reality. Money is an important thing that you need to do, deal with responsibly. It's not like... So the guys, you know, well, where are we going to pay for this? You know, we, we can't afford this, we can't do this, and they've always been careful, and money becomes a major topic. Money shouldn't be a topic. Money should be something which is you deal with responsible and you move on from what you don't. Do. At the same time, it also means that the person has to find ways to make the life full, even with for less money. It can't be well. We can't afford it. That's just that's our life. You know? never said the Gavaldi line. He says, you know, when you go out to eat and the kids are. So the next day, when you eat, eat supper at home, you better make that supper as, as exciting as, and as good as what they had when they ate up. They understand the home is a safe, home is a secure place for them, a safe place for them. Home is an area where they're gonna they can thrive and they can grow, and then they have what they need. And everybody else is, is we, we, I mean, you see a man, there's a 
eight, I call it mass exodus. There's a lot of terrible children who don't want to run a terrible. Because, you know, the message always said, well, we don't have enough money. You know, so my, you know, it, 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 it's, that shouldn't be the message. The message, you know, he apparently made a decision based on uh, various factors, whether it's important or not important. If it's important, for, you know, you do it. And you have to find a way to make it happen if you could. That it shouldn't be the, 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 the only factor is money. Well, really we should do it, but we can't afford it. That's what you tell the kids. You know, and vis-a-vis the wife also, you know, there's a certain amount of a woman, we told about the of giving a woman her independence, which means you can't, let, you can't, you can't, you know, put her on a short leash when it comes to money. She has to be able to, you have to give her the respect and the, the confidence that you believe she can handle things in, in, a, in a competent way. And at the same time, so it means you're, you're uh, we got married, so uh, we my wife's going to take care of the, all the finances and all the checkbook, etc. So, uh, I took a little loan to deal with it. After about two or three months, I said, I can't, I can't, emotionally, I cannot deal with it. I cannot deal with uh, the negative balance. So I said, okay, I take care of it. You do not look at the ledger. From now on, you will never look at the ledger on the checkbook. There's a booklet of checks. I trust you to, to use your, your, your judgment to write the checks, whatever you need. I trust you to do it in a judicious way, an intelligent way. Write it down. I will take them, put them in a ledger, and I will deal with the money going in and going out. It's not your effect. And that's where it should be. It shouldn't be the woman's effect to deal with that. And, and I had to deal with, you know, it was my issue to figure out how we're going to make it work. And that's, if it means I had to figure out if I had to take a loan, I took a loan. If I had to figure out how to pay back the loan, I took a loan. I did that. But that was not her event. And she was, the message I told her was, an intelligent person, you're a trusted person, I, I trust you to use your intelligence to spend the money in a thousand way. You're not spent with, you're not going to, uh, but also don't be the counsel. And she asked me, you know, if she needs something, she, can we afford the answer? Yes. If you need it, we can afford it. You know, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to second guess you. Do we really need it? You, know, you can't make that. People become. I'm not saying you should stop waste money, but there's, you know, I overheard a. a uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a certain personality in the party, so he has a he's very opinionated. Which, and one time he said, you know. A certain person, he has a time on that person. That person is, is an accountant. And he's very money aware, very money conscious, and like conscious. And like this person can tell you like where the cheapest gas station is. And he can tell you where the cheapest place to get tomatoes. He, he has it all down pat. He's very frugal. But like he made his life revolve around getting the best deal of everything. You know, it's nice, you know, not to some waste money, but, you know, when it becomes like, when you travel to New York, you know, you have to make sure you have X amount of gas, because in, in, in exit 23 on, on, on the 80, there's the cheapest gas, is, you know, you don't fill up now, because you could stop then and gave it, say, another three cents per gallon, on the 11 gallons that you said, 33 cents you're going to gain. You know, when you say in those terms, it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, but people don't think it like that. Oh, cheaper gas, you know, they don't know better, you know. Um, it becomes a focus. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a focus. I think you're going to message a little bit. Um, okay. In-laws. In-laws are wonderful people. And other people which you owe them a tremendous amount of curse of life. They, brought, they gave birth and gave many different things to the person who's your, your the most important person in your life right now. So, you better have a cause to tell you for that. Um, some in-laws know how to give space. Some of don't know how to give space. Um, in-laws want to be helpful and they want to be nice. They want to, you know, but sometimes they don't understand. 
and it doesn't take away your fear or respect for them and to treat them properly. At the same time, you have to find you're going through things where you're going to have to, it's going to be a conflict, it's going to be a challenge. You have to recognize, you know, so you, you know you, you, your thought process is, okay, well, my wife's going to side with me because I'm her husband. That's not, all, that's not a given, especially at the beginning of marriage. And these are people that basically, my sister, where she spends her life with them. She's not going to disengage from them and, and connect totally with you. So you can't, you know, make a comment about you know, your father or your mother or, you know, white, you know, something like that. You know, you're not even a disparaging comment or even a, you know, it's going to hurt her. You know, even though she might say something about her parents like that also, but she has a right to it. She's their daughter. You don't. You're not. You know, at the same time, you have to recognize as much as she has it, she still has a very strong connection to her parents. And what her parents think and what her parents feel is very important there. And it, it, it leaves a very strong marker. Um, you can't ignore that. And I'll also say that basketball about them is hypoclassifera. So there's going to be times where you're going to feel conflict. Um, you know, whether you feel that they don't understand, they don't understand you know, the point that you're trying to make it. So you have to tread lightly. Um, I feel a lot of a giving COVID. To the parents of, of your wife, so it's not a not a question of it. Um, we spoke about stock market, right? The stock market, Marshall, overall growth. We spoke about that night. So, um, I want to go back to all the way back to the beginning again. Um, one or two thoughts. <coughs> um, communication is probably one of the most important things that you're going to have to learn to develop in your, in, in your relationship. And communication is not what you said. It's what the other person said. And what, one of the biggest challenges you're going to have in marriage is figuring out what they're hearing, what measures, what, based on their biases and their experiences and their emotional makeup and the fact that they're a woman, all of And everything that they are, they're going to interpret what you said in that vein. So I don't care what you said, because that's not communication. Communication is what the other person's hearing you say. So I didn't mean that. It's not a good answer. It's an excuse. It's not a good answer. Um, which is why we talked about you know, the forgiving and, and, and apologizing. So, you know, what about if I'm right? Um, there, there is another way of looking at it, at definition. And you apparently were not very effective at communicating why you're right to them. Um, that's I, I can't under, underscore that point enough. It's not reason to let the person hurt. It's nothing wrong to ask the person, "What do you think I meant?" And, you know, and say, "You know, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to mean. I didn't want to give across that impression. I, I really meant what I wanted to say was X. I'm sorry. I didn't communicate about that. That's okay." Nothing wrong with um, saying to the person, okay, what would you like me to do now? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for input. But we sort of like to get that that's an option. Um, um, what's important to your wife? I wish mean, so the other very friend had the two lists, you know. I don't know. Ask her. You know. Um, and tell her, you know, um, you know, I'm a man, I'm different, and sometimes what you might think that is obvious to you is not so obvious to me. You know, the more explicit you are, the better it is for the marriage. Try and be, you know, help me. You know, help me do the right thing. Okay, so in this situation, what, are you, what do you expect me to do? Assumption is the mother of all fallows. We spoke about that today also. Um, one more thought. It's called going to sleep. You might read in some books, some of them might never go to sleep 
the middle of an argument. Never see the middle of a disagreement. Um, that sounds beautiful. I don't agree with it. The reality is, you've been up since 6 o'clock in the morning. It's now 1 o'clock in the morning. It's been 19 hours since you're, you're, you're exhausted. Of course you're not going to be able to deal with this thing rational. You, you know what happens if you go to sleep? In the morning you wake up with a fresh perspective, but you know what, I'm always such a big issue. And an issue which took you two hours to deal with the night before will take you a grand total of three minutes the next day. I think my wife's calling. I didn't call the place now. Okay, I'm finishing about one minute. Um, it's ironic that the last point was go to sleep. Anyway, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, we're both exhausted right now. We're not dealing with this rationally. Tomorrow we'll both be rested. We'll be able to think through intelligently. I think we'll have a much better perspective dealing with it tomorrow. Why don't we go to sleep? Um, what's wrong with saying that? As well, I was told you never going to see open arguments. You know what? It's not an open argument. We put the argument on hold. The argument will have ended as of now, and we'll start again tomorrow. You know, you you could put it. I'm telling you, it's like it becomes a, a lot of a lot of energy is wasted on, on, during a time which is it's not worth it. A lot of that also is very good because it uses the, the, the tension a little bit. Humor is a wonderful thing way to use intention. Um, and uh, so, and that's a lot of time. This, which that gave a time out. That you know, give me a minute to think about it. You know, let me let me digest what you're saying. Using connector words and explanation words and you know, all those sort of things. Which we, we don't think about doing that. We don't do that in most of our our relationships with people. We don't say you know. Start saying something, saying, you know. So, give me a minute. I hear what you're saying. I don't agree. Give me a minute to digest it. You know, we expect we have to give an answer on the spot. We, with certain expectations of how the social norms are, you don't have to take them into your home. In the home, you can do it. You can write the rules wherever you want. You can say, and you can use all those. All those connector words are fine. Okay. Um, right now, I am very tired. I am not going. As hard as I try, it's very difficult for me to observe what you're saying. Let me put my head down for 10 minutes and, I'll, uh, and we'll talk about it then. I know it's hard for you to wait for those 10 minutes because you really want to deal with it and you're upset at me. But I'm telling you, I promise you that I will deal with it much better in a few minutes. That's, you know, I need to use the bathroom. You know, I mean, like, you know, like, you know, you know, uh, you know there's nothing wrong with apologizing. You know, if you it's done with, with sincerely, something wrong with it. And it, it, it sets the tenor for, okay, there's an issue over here which we dealt better with the context X. Let's, do, let's try and do steer it towards that. Okay. You now have completed the course. You're now certified for closing.